1: from the abraham lincoln radio studio at the george washington broadcast center jack armstrong and joe getty the armstrong and getty show
0: hope you had a good weekend all things given NBA playoffs started. I didn't watch any. I'll probably join in the second round. I'm a Golden State Warriors fan. Had another person glue themselves to something or tie themselves to something or whatever as an animal rights protest. We'll talk about that later. Wow. Well, you know my policy on that. I'm looking forward to talking to that. I'm,
1: I'm trying to decide which story I'm more excited about. Arizona woke activists black blast. A school district for, for hiring someone in blackface to entertain them turned out to be a black guy. Um, <laughs> but they're believe it or not, they're doubling down. Or you got the guy who told his bosses, don't throw me a birthday party at work. And they threw him a birthday party anyway, and he settled for $400,000. So uh, oh that's yeah, yeah, a lot of good stuff. A lot of stuff I'm excited about talking about that's not gloom and doom and, and war and horror, although there's plenty of that, certainly, uh, to talk about. Uh, why do we, I tell you what, why don't we set the tone for the discussion Tone about setting. a, a handful of, of shootings across the country, among other things, uh, with Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City. Uh, clip 20, Michael, if you'd be so kind.
2: I think social media uh, must step up. Uh, There's a corporate responsibility. Um, When we are watching hate brew online, uh, we could identify uh, using artificial intelligence and other methods to identify those who are talking about violence. And you you know my uh, concerns around even uh, what's called drill music, Uh, not all drill music, but those that talks about inflicting
1: violence on rival gangs. That is driving uh, some of the shooters we're seeing in the parts of the Bronx.
0: I don't know that term, drill music. No, apparently that's a
1: new sort of subgenre of gangsta type rap. I don't know. Hmm. I'm the last guy that would know that. but You probably uh, also are. You might I mean, actually also- be the last guy. <laughs> He also said the scales right now are tipped very heavily in favor of the reforms of the progressive left. Well-intended, some needed, but a bit too far. And what we have as a result is this growing fear of crime, this actual growing amount of crime in almost every American city. Uh, I'm sorry, that was actually uh, former New York uh, PD Commissioner William Bratton. Um, His fellow guest, the city crime uh, police commissioner, said... We can't lose sight of the victims of crime. We believe the system has to be fair and balanced, but when we lose sight of the victims, we're not doing what public safety is intended to do. Uh, So that is absolutely refreshing. Um, Meanwhile, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, right outside Pittsburgh, there was a house party. It was almost all uh, teenagers. That erupted in, in gun violence, and a bunch of people shot, at least a couple of killed. Two different shootings in South Carolina, one at a mall, one, I can't remember the second one. I've got all these stories in front of me, but um, uh, let's see, where is that? Uh, Oh, and then the other one was at some sort of club. And then you have the shooting in Sacramento, California on the 3rd of April, I believe, which was at least five gun-wielding gangbangers spraying gunfire at each other. And I just wonder, when are people going to be honest because for a number of years i remember the whole gang problem in la uh, that was openly discussed and that all of the violence virtually all of the violence was gang related uh-huh. and people talked about that they talked about and and see here's this is not like angry right wing talk radio uh, uh, jabbering this is trying to get at the problem to to save people's lives the discussion in the 80s and 90s was all about all right what is drawing kids to to the gangs what role models out there uh, are out there that can help the kids make better decisions how about former gang bangers who can go into the cities talk to the kids about the value of an education people were openly discussing the problem is the gangs and the culture of using guns to settle disputes every dispute Uh, whether it be who's selling crack on this corner or just who looked at who bad. Um, But now we're having this idiotic discussion about there are too many guns, too many guns. Well, there may be
0: too many guns, but you could give me 50 guns. I'm not going to shoot anybody. So uh, that's an interesting point because gang talk was huge there in the um, 80s and 90s. When we Joe and I first started our radio career in the early 90s, they had quite the Crips blood problem in uh, Wichita, Kansas, actually. And gang talk was all the rage among your shooting crime stories. Why don't we do that anymore? Is it because gangs are primarily POC, people of color? Is that the reason that uh, we stay away from it?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely a huge huge factor. The the woke crowd and the media that's terrified of them or or, you know, down with their their philosophy. Is not going to call it out because of that very reason, and it's it's just so ugly and stupid. I've got oh a great essay out to read you part of uh, from a, a young black man talking about the the terrible racism of the progressive left and how they're just condescending and paternalistic and underestimate black people and and the rest of it. That's one aspect of the woke racism, but the other one is. You're refusing out of your own need for pride and comfort that you're so enlightened. You're refusing to diagnose problems for what they are. And if 50 more young black people die to protect your pride and protect your unwillingness to say what needs to be said, people on the walk left are fine with that. I, I don't get that how you can shout all day about how uh, important black America is and and, and uh, how how you're so aware of that, white supremacy and the rest of it, but you don't care how many dozens of young black people die and you just uh, protect your vanity, like I said, by pretending it's the, the Second Amendment and not the culture of gun violence. Anyway, speaking of gangs, and uh, L.A. in particular... Uh, I did a little more digging into something we talked about last week, and that's... uh, Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Before I get to that, um, newly released Gallup poll found 53% of Americans worry a great deal about crime. 53%. Add to that 27% who are worried a fair amount about crime. That gives you 80% of Americans who have a significant or serious worry about crime. I know Uh, I do. Women,
0: women, Republicans, and city residents are the most concerned. Yeah. I was in uh, San Francisco over the weekend, and uh, every time the couple of times I parked my car, Man, I put a lot of effort in make sure making sure there was nothing visible whatsoever that, that would give a reason to break in and, you know, worried about where I was parked and parked at one parking garage where they had all kinds of warning signs about break-ins. And then there were a couple of homeless people living in the parking garage, and I thought, oh, okay, cool. So the very people that are going to break in my car as soon as I walk out of this garage are allowed to stay right there. That's handy. And, and you know, I suppose that's urine over there. Um, that's pretty cool. But, yeah, I worry about crime all the time. You know, it's funny. In the years I've
1: been plying my trade, our trade in West Coast cities, I've gone from, good God, is that urine, to being grateful it's only urine. <laughs> good news, kids, it's only pee. <laughs> I and then you come back, you know, from the ball game or whatever, and, and your car's got the broken windows, and the junkie is sitting there with your stuff, probably in his lawn chair, or his tent, or whatever, visibly, and you can fight him and get it back if you want, or you could call the cops and they'd say, be serious, dude, click. Um, <laughs> those are your only options. It's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I saw there, was, so I was on a street corner where they had a camp set up. I mean, this was lots of street corners, but one particular one, I was at a long red light. You know, one of those long red lights you get in big cities where one car gets to turn left every cycle through. <laughs> so it oh. takes like 10 minutes oh. to get through. But anyway, so I had a long time to stare at this homeless encampment and all these tents and everything I get. And there was one guy who had one of those scooters um, that uh, companies put in cities. And he had one of those scooters, and he had some tools, and he was taking it apart. And I thought... He's got a obviously stolen scooter, because he doesn't have the right to take that apart. I'm sure stolen tools, as he sits Mm -hmm. in front of his stolen tent with his stolen bike and his stolen dog. And nobody cares or is doing anything about it. Not to mention the fact that the, the entire sidewalk area is impassable. Nobody can walk through there, because it's a camp now. And it just is, apparently. Sure, and there's nothing you could do about it, primarily because
1: of that idiotic one of the most idiotic rulings in American jurisprudence history, that Boise ruling that you can't enforce any sort of anti-camping or sidewalk bans if there's a single junkie that doesn't have a king-sized Stearns and Foster bed to lay down in in your town. It's freaking amazing. Is
0: that the anyway, main thing because I thought you know it wasn't this that's way part of tw- it. it wasn't this way 20 years ago. It wasn't like this. So whatever changed, let's change back.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I think it will as more and more people, even, even your progressive people in your blue, blue towns are starting to say, we can't live like this. This, this didn't work. Uh, and that's one of the things Eric Adams was talking about, how progressive policies have just, they've not worked. But, uh, the, uh, what I started to say earlier was, uh, we talked last week about the, uh, The uh, What do they call them? Follow home or follow off robberies in L.A. in which gang members and they're talking about the Crips and Bloods, a little classic uh, gang stuff there. They have crews that they're sending out into L.A., uh, particularly to uh, luxury boutiques, hotels, uh, fancy restaurants, trendy nightclubs, anywhere where people with money. Uh, tend to hang out, according to Captain Jonathan Tippet, who or Tippet rather, who spearheads the task force. Police have identified at least seventeen gangs, most based out of South L.A. and operating independently. Involved, there were 165 of these robberies. Uh, last year, fifty six so far this year, so it's looking to grow a great deal. And they go into what neighborhoods uh, it is, and if you're a Los Angelino, uh, it's uh, Hollywood Division, then Wilshire Division on down. But um, here's how it works: through surveillance videos and other evidence, police have identified crews rolling three to five cars deep in some of the attacks. Gang members jump out and blindside victims. Quote, there's no chance or opportunity for these victims even to comply. They're just running up to people and attacking them, whether that's putting a gun in their face or punching them and beating on them, pistol whipping them as well. Wow. In some cases, the cops have determined that gang members are inside the high end venues. They're spotters for those outside. So they say, dude in a Rolex, uh, check it out right now at the hotel or, or whatever, then they alert the guys outside. Shots have been fired in 23 cases, two victims killed. Uh, said the guy who heads up LAPD's robbery homicide division, in my 34 years on the job, I've
0: never seen anything like this. Los Angeles
2: problem.
0: Well, that's how you get those numbers you led with, uh, the percentage of Americans that worry about crime.
1: Listen to this. This is great. The intense focus on, I don't know, people getting bashed in the face and their stuff taken away has caused some consternation among activists and criminal justice reform advocates who worry that wealthy residents with political clout and politicians eager to please them will use the trend to claw back past policing reforms. One prominent activist, Hamid Khan, on Tuesday accused the LAPD of week after week of sensationalism. L.A.P.D. has to constantly legitimize itself, constantly has to make itself useful to the community by raising the specter of people running wild. Are you serious? He is. Yeah, I
0: know it. Yeah, good luck, buddy. We're living in the 70s. I mean, whether it's the genes, the
2: inflation, the crime, we're living in the 70s. Clearly. We cannot prosecute our way out of the desperation that we have. Shut up,
1: Count Kermit. Weird combination of Dracula and Kermit the Frog, George Gascon. What an ass he is.
0: Good Lord. Uh, yet another study that just came out that shows that school lockdowns, shutdowns, did not do anything in terms of stopping the spread of COVID. Uh, so we damaged our children in all kinds of ways for no reason. Um, in America, we're coddling our children more than anywhere else in the world. whole bunch of different interesting things to talk about. Stay with us.
2: Democrats will run on what they've delivered. Republicans are going to run on the fumes of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we're running on the gas that Joe Biden's giving us at $5 a gallon. That's what we're running on. We're running on $5 gasoline. We're running on 8.5% inflation. We're running on a failed withdrawal from Afghanistan. We are running on a president who and, and a Democratic Party that their own party, people like Larry Summers and Joe Manchin, just said this week, created this inflation through the rescue plan in January. What a stupid son
0: of a bitch. Well played, Michael. God, the partisans live in Washington, D.C. and make their living off of it, arguing with each other just have worn me out. I may never be able to listen to them again in my life.
1: Oh, I know it. I know it. Just wrestling over who will control the Treasury for the next two years. Yeah. That's all they care about. Uh, so just a quick follow-up on the L.A. crime story I found uh, absolutely worth sharing with you. Uh, so they talk to the cops about these follow-home or follow-out uh, robberies where the gangs are are tar- they're scouting and targeting anybody with an expensive watch or an expensive handbag or, or a luxury car or whatever. They follow them home, smash them in the face or whatever, and take their stuff. And, and it's just skyrocketing and and so this uh this task force from the LAPD is doing what appears to be really really good work making dozens of arrests in many dozens of robberies uh, uh you know I could give you the list but we don't have a lot of time uh, they've served 278 search warrants uh searching digital media other technology uh, blah 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 in an interview with the times though the head of the task force Said he's getting really, really frustrated because they arrest these subjects and they keep getting released from jail and reoffending while awaiting trial. They are quite literally racking up many more crimes while they're awaiting trial for the first crime. In fact, they took the unusual step of brief, uh, briefing the police commission on the actions of one 18-year-old Matthew Adams. Adams, according to uh, the cop, was involved in eight separate follow-off robberies over a few months last fall, including one in which two UCLA students were robbed of two watches nearly worth nearly $145,000 after leaving a club. All right, hang, hang on now. we got to stop. There, you got two college students sporting seventy five thousand dollars watches.
0: Well, I could believe it. Uh, where I live, they drive hundred and eighty thousand dollars cars. So, children of foreign oligarchs, probably. yeah A second in which
1: two foreign tourists were robbed of watches worth seventy three thousand. Third in which fifty one thousand property was stolen during the course of the eight robberies. Uh, Adams was arrested three times. And they just keep turning him loose. And this guy has such fear of the criminal justice system or the way it's operated under George Gascon right now, one of the woke Marxist DAs. The guy says, "All right, thanks, good to see you, fellas. Uh, if you'll excuse me, I got to go rob some more tourists." And he just keeps reoffending. He doesn't care.
0: Wow. Uh, I know. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast at ArmstrongandGetty.com. We got computers writing novels. We got uh, somebody saying too many people are going to college. We got a bunch of different things to talk about. We ought to check in on Ukraine, obviously. It was a rough weekend, and it's going to get a lot rougher, most likely. Stay with us.
1: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: The situation in Mariupol is both dire militarily and heartbreaking. Uh, The city doesn't exist anymore. The remainings of the Ukrainian army and large group of civilians are basically uh, encircled by the Russian forces. They continue their struggle. But uh, it seems from the way Russian army behaves in Mariupol, they uh, decided to raise the city to the ground at any cost. That's the foreign minister for Ukraine saying the city of Mariupol doesn't really exist anymore. It has been wiped off the face of the earth. Here's another report from ABC. I'm sorry, from CBS on uh, the situation in Ukraine over the weekend. The Kiev region now a graveyard. The bodies of more than 900 civilians have been found in and around the capital, police say. But nowhere is the misery more total than Mariupol. Thousands have been killed in weeks of airstrikes, artillery, even starvation. Russia has now claimed victory. If true, we may never know the full scale
1: of horror.
0: (sighs) Yeah. So, more of the same there. Um... And it's just absolutely awful and about to get worse. So what is going on in uh, Mariupol? The fact that you've got a whole bunch of Ukrainian soldiers holed up in this plant and appear to be willing to fight to the last man as they made the statement over the weekend that they're not going to surrender. And I think for good reason, then, that I do. Are the Russians going to let you surrender anyway?
1: Well, the Russian defense ministry said, yeah, we'll guarantee the life of anybody who surrenders, which I'm sure
0: they are highly, the Ukrainians are highly skeptical of. Yeah, I'd be beyond highly skeptical. So if they don't just murder me right here, wherever I surrender, they're going to take me to some camp and, uh, you know, work me to death or torture me for to death or whatever. So, yeah, I could understand why you wouldn't surrender. Yeah, if you're in the mood for a really cheery discussion,
1: we could get into the New York Times' long piece about the history of and current status of Russian war crimes, uh, systematic rape, murder, uh, killing civilians, that sort of thing intentionally, and how there isn't even really a mechanism in the Russian Armed Forces for even, like, accusing anybody of something. It's just, it's accepted. Yeah. Yeah, but all cultures are equal, and and any culture that's not American is better than ours. That's right. Keep, Keep lecturing us about that.
0: So there aren't really negotiations going on for trying to end this damned war, but there are various things being said back and forth. Russia is making Ukrainian neutrality a precondition in any peace talks. They can't be NATO in NATO. They've got to be a neutral country. They want a neutral country on their border. Kevin Williamson, writing in the National Review, argues that Conditional sovereignty is no sovereignty at all for them or the rest of the world. It's obvious that Russia's attempt to dictate to Ukraine what alliances it may join and what kind of foreign relations it may pursue is a limit on their sovereignty. But it is also a limit on American sovereignty. British, German, French all the sovereignty of any other NATO country. An alliance is a two-way relationship, and if Moscow has the power to foreclose it on one end, it has the power to foreclose it on the other end. We must not cede such power to Moscow. This is not new territory, far from it. The proposition that Moscow should enjoy veto power over the foreign relations and defense policies of European nations that the Russians regard as being within their sphere of influence is not a recent development. It did not begin with uh, Ukraine. It did not begin with NATO, uh, it's gone on for many, many years. But that's a very good point. If if, if Ukraine said, okay, we'll stay a neutral country, that is the world saying to Russia, you get to decide our foreign policy. You get to decide who's in NATO. Mm-hmm. Sure. You yeah. can't have that. Obviously, that's a, that's a non-starter.
1: Well, that makes Ukraine into a client state, a puppet state, which is exactly what Putin wants, of course.
0: So if that is um, uh, Russia's precondition for any talks, and if you buy that argument there, that that's not even on the table, well, we're a long way from this thing being over. Oh, yeah. The unspoken negotiating
1: position of Putin has been all along. We own Ukraine, as much of it as we can grab, and you take it. And and that's it. There's never been anything close to an honest negotiation going on. The only question to me, and well, we're going to have to work through some horror to get there, um, on the ground in Ukraine, and we're continuing to arm them. We're continuing to ship them more and more arms, I guess, to defend uh, Kiev and and uh, Western Ukraine. But um, the only question to me is, will the squeeze that the world puts on Putin's Russia be hard enough and last long enough to bring about something better down the road in five years and 10 years and 20 years? Um, And and the big question mark there is with China and India not on board, not to mention a bunch of, you know, African nations, third world countries and God knows who else who are just more than willing to do business with uh, monsters. Um, Will the world get any satisfaction out of the Ukraine thing or will it just be one of those? It reminds you as reading about a a terrible unsolved crime over the weekend. Will it be one of those situations where justice is just not going to be done?
0: Well, so let's hear from Ben Hodges. He's uh, retired, but he was the commanding general of the U.S. Army in Europe, and he was on Face the Nation yesterday, and he said a couple of things that I think are really worth discussing. Let's start with um, 43 there, Michael.
2: What the Ukrainians need desperately are long-range fires, rockets, artillery, drones that that can disrupt or destroy the systems that are causing so much damage in Ukrainian cities and which will also play a critical role in this next phase if and when it begins. Uh, the hundreds of switchblade drones, for example, these are very good, but we need about a 1,000 more. If you assume one drone per tank, per artillery system, per uh, infantry fighting vehicle, you can see why the numbers. Well, we can discuss that. So that's him saying what they need and how
0: they need more. Here's him saying why clip 44.
2: This is about us being the arsenal of democracy. This is about us um, supporting democracy versus autocracy. And I would really like to hear the administration talk about winning and and having a sense of urgency um, on getting these things there. Otherwise, this window of opportunity we have the next couple of weeks to really disrupt Russia's attempt to build up is going to pass.
0: Former commander of the Army for the United States in Europe says the window is a couple of weeks of us getting them the right stuff, or this opportunity to actually win and drive Russia out of Ukraine, is over. Well, uh, yet not another person, the administration,
1: not talking about winning. They've been asked specifically, "Are you uh, here to help Ukraine win?" And they they give very mealy mouthed answers.
0: All right. So yet there's yet another person with a lot of knowledge about military tactics saying we need to give them more. They need more. And I haven't heard anybody say anything different, including hosts on MSNBC, other than Joe Biden, Jen Psaki, and uh, Anthony Blinken. I mean, it's just the White House that, and I know some of you think that's a good thing because generals want to fight wars and win. That's what they're built to do, thank God, but um, and we have civilian control for a reason. But is there? Are, do you know of any strategists, people you respect, who are saying, "No, no, we don't want to. We don't want to give them more stuff." No, no.
1: It, those voices are are they're not there. Nobody's saying that. You know, I'm reminded of the fact that Joe Biden was the one no vote. Yep. in going after Osama bin Laden. Yep, he's just he's a backslapper and a glad hander and 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 a and a, and a jar and a, just a politician. Politician. He has no. Uh, what is it? He has no ability to rise to greatness. He never has. He's a mediocrity. He's just a charming guy. Before he was completely senile, he was just charming. He combined a kind of working class, I'm a tough guy with a little Washington sophistication,
0: and it worked for him for a career. But what? tell me his moments of greatness, please. List them for me. I'll wait. That's worth remembering. If he had been president at the time, we wouldn't have gotten Osama Bin Laden. So that is was it too any bold. Shock? Right. Right. Is it any shock that this is more half measures? Too bold, too provocative. Joe Biden was a no vote on getting Osama bin Laden. And not Barack Obama, who was not exactly, you know, overly aggressive in these things, uh, did it, thank God, on the advice of other smarter people. But yeah, so Joe Biden is a nah we better not sort of guy.
1: Yeah. Well. Well, sorry, Ukraine. Sorry about that. We have elections every four years to elect a new president. And, uh, you know, who knows? Last election uh, goes differently or next election goes differently. Your fate as a nation would have been completely different. Wow, no kidding.
0: No kidding.
1: So I was a little surprised to hear the general say there's still a couple of weeks, maybe, given the state of affairs in the south and the east of Ukraine. I mean, it, it looks... Uh, I, all it looks like to me is that they can hold on to a chunk of their country, claim its sovereign, and then engage in a decades-long battle through guerrilla war, uh, uh, diplomacy,
0: and God knows what else in the future to try to get their land back. I haven't heard anybody say what you're saying, I think because they want to be more optimistic in, than that, because the world is in kind of a raw, raw mood. I am, too, in wanting Ukraine to win and helping them out, but... I think you're right. I think Russia is going to accomplish a good chunk of what they wanted to accomplish. And from that foothold will be very hard to dislodge. I would think, yeah, since they can
1: supply from both ends. Yeah. You know, through Crimea and along the south there and just straight in from Russia. A lot of their logistical challenges, which were so amusing at the beginning, are, are going to be more or less alleviated. But uh, the nature of the conflict going forward, I I can't guess. I don't know if Ukraine just thinks, all right, that's enough bloodletting. we got to let diplomacy and time get us our country back or whether it will be a shoot and war for the next 30 years. I mean, there are armed separatist movements that have gone on for generations in yeah. different uh, places sure. on
0: Earth. Yeah, they have, and they don't get much attention. Or maybe, uh, or maybe, you know, they'll have elections in Ukraine, too. It's hard to imagine anybody defeating Zelensky, but they're going to have elections at some point in this process also. But he might be thinking, you know, maybe next presidential election, the United States elects somebody who wants to give us the planes. And we can boot these bastards out of our country. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Something tells me this is not going to be over anytime soon.
1: This may be one of those eternal conflicts that we just live with for the rest of our lives. I can't even guess.
0: Yeah, I wasn't alive during Vietnam, but I got to imagine there were many times in the early and mid-60s where people thought, well, this has got to be winding down soon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the history of it is just, all right, this
1: is what it's going to take to end this crap from, you know, Kennedy through uh, Nixon. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's a cheery discussion. I never did get to the uh,
0: history of Russian atrocities. Oh, Oof. that's disappointing Oof, uh, yeah. I know I know a lot about that um AI can now write prose that's seen as a major step for artificial intelligence, which may be now I'm influenced by the fact that I'm reading this book Life 3.0, but it may be the actual biggest threat to mankind the the author of the book says bigger than nuclear Holocaust, bigger than climate change AI is what's going to disrupt humankind more than anything else. Oh, great. I certainly could believe it's true. Um, We'll get to that at some point, too. Lots of stuff on the way. Stay here.
1: Armstrong and Getty.
2: underneath the, the basket the stanchion here is another protester here and I, and I believe she's she's changed she's herself to the
0: changed herself to the stanchion. It's a little sleeper cell of of chicken protesters. We've got a sleeper cell of and now they get the chain off and they're carrying her off. The people in Memphis have no idea what's going on right now. So is this the same group all the time? So it started with somebody in California in the state capitol glued their hand to a desk. They were an animal rights protester. Then somebody mm-hmm. glued their hand to the floor of an NBA game. Is, are the, is this the same crowd as with this woman? Chicken yeah, that's protesters. my understanding.
1: Yeah, yeah, just anti something or other. I'm, 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 I tried to eat chickens over the weekend. They, they didn't have
0: enough at the chicken restaurant to service. That happened to you once, right? KFC ran out of chicken. I went to, I've been to KFC when they ran out of chicken. I've been to A and W when they ran out of root beer. Wow, wow,
1: shocking. I thought this was America.
0: So, uh so she chained herself to the, uh, the, the goal, the basketball goal. I would have guessed that, you know, even when I've had really good seats, that if I like to want to go stand next to the basketball goal, nobody was going to let me. How With do they get a chain? It? Yeah, how do they do it? I don't know. I have no
1: idea. You know my solution, though. It's elegant. It's simple. She chained herself to the basket. There she will stay. Enjoy your being chained to a basket, dear. You know, players flying out of bounds, smashing into her. She gets hungry, has to go to the bathroom. I didn't chain her there. That's not my problem. I, that's that's part of my my uh love of liberty is you take responsibility for your own actions you want to chain yourself to a basketball hoop guess what now you're chained to a basketball hoop <laughs> what next exactly
0: Einstein? and that one's the, the the woman that glued herself to the floor you, it's pretty hard to play the game with a woman glued to the floor but not impossible <laughs> <laughs> but the chain to the thing that holds the goal that's not going to hurt anything just leave her there just ignore her like you do with a kid sometimes the easiest thing to do is just ignore them and they realize well i guess this isn't working and they give up well this might be my
1: favorite story of the day and it's similar in a way two local diversity advocates in arizona are taking heat after calling out a local school district for hiring a dj to perform in blackface well the DJ wasn't black well he had a black face he's a black man you see. Well that's why he had dark skin on his face. Stuart Roden and Jill Lassen who specialize in diversity, equity and inclusion. All right. Yeah. They lambasted the Scottsdale Unified School District hiring Kim Coco Hunter, a local black DJ at a charity event. Uh they after they found out. Well after the uh The PTA president uh, put out, tweeted, or put on Facebook, the DJ that Hopi PTA hired was in fact a black man. It is insulting that you feel me or PTA condoned racist behavior or encouraged it by posting on social media. And essentially, you shouldn't be blasting people for that. Well, one of the... Uh, what the hell, I can never remember the term, diversity, equity, and inclusion lunatics, responded by saying, <laughs> you're right, we should have reached out and inquired before making such accusations, uh, et cetera, et cetera, uh, I truly apologize. But the other one doubled down, this uh, rodent woman, said... Let me be clear. A black man, apparently in blackface, is an entirely different discussion than a white person. However, it seems at the very least, he is in darker makeup, if not blackface. Or I am completely mistaken, and it may be the lighting on the patio. All right, so this person,
0: not willing to back off. Now, obviously, thinks that, that person... A, th- they, and, and thinks that a black person put on makeup to make themselves blacker.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes, thats she happens condemning a lot. them. Now, a person, obviously, who had doubled down after finding out that that was indeed a black dude. Uh, That's obviously somebody so crazy. She spends her time crawling around in a park eating bugs. Oh, wait. No. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm mistaken. She's an instructor at Arizona State University and part of their diversity, equity and inclusion Gestapo. Unfreaking believable. Yeah. <clears throat> the. Man in blackface in question, who has a black face because he's a black man, said, uh, uh, was I not black enough? How black do I got to be for people to know that I'm an actual black person? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. That's hilarious. Yeah, these people should not have the power to do anything, to affect anybody's life in any way, and yet they run most of America's universities, they're running your local elementary,
0: middle, and high schools to a large extent and have people absolutely terrified. Well, and, you know, as, as we've discussed many times, the whole blackface thing is so ridiculous any, anyway. If it were a white person who was being black to, you know, represent the cool black look of the 70s, how is that racist or, you know, something from the minstrel age or whatever? It's, I don't get any of that.
1: Well, right. If I were to grab my Rick and Bacher bass and and want to like portray Rick James, for instance, that is entirely different than minstrel shows, which were overtly horrifically racist. If I really admire Bootsy Collins, another great bass player, you know, when I were to put on makeup, I, and I wouldn't at this point, Lord knows, no, but no. that's an entirely different thing. It's admiration.
0: Yeah. Um. Canceling student loan debt is rearing its stupid head once again. So we should probably discuss that topic. We do have an election coming, and they feel like that that would get a lot of votes. All right, so stay tuned for that to kick off Hour 3 of the Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Armstrong and Getty.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) Come.